The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemont Williams, with John Inglesby. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here are your hosts, Lemont Williams and John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome back to another week of Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Network. I'm Lemont Williams, and my co-host is... John Inglesby. And to join the show, the contact information is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email us at Sports at yahoo.com. John, today we're breaking ground, making history. You're coming live from a remote location at the Pawtucket Red Sox AAA baseball game in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. How's it going so far? Has the game kicked off yet? The game has kicked off. It started about 7 p.m. Eastern time, and it's Five nothing, and the Red Sox, Pawtucket Red Sox, are beating of all people the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Yankees. So here I am in a Yankees Red Sox game again. Oh yeah, even though if it's on the Triple A level, it's always a good competition between the Red Sox and the Yankees. But let's go ahead and start today's show. Let the listeners know what we have on deck for today. John and I will break down the USA and the Ghana World Cup matchup from the past weekend. We'll go around the NFL with this week's headlines and storylines. Invite Bill Wallace the Vice President of Public Relations of the Pawtucket Red Sox, to the show. We'll discuss Major League Baseball dugout feuds and fights from this past week and weekend. But first, John, let's go ahead and recap the 2010 NBA draft from last Thursday. John Wall went to the Washington Wizards with the number one overall pick. And number two pick, Evan Thomas, the NCAA Player of the Year, went to the 76ers. John, the NBA draft went in the order as we predicted for the last couple of weeks. However, Kentucky Wildcats made history that night with five players selected in the first round. What does that say about the Wildcats program slash coaching staff? Well, it's, uh, you know, a tribute to John Calipari in so many ways. Uh, you know, a lot of them are the draftees were one-and-done players and – you know, very impressive, the talent. For him to draw that talent in there in his first year at Kentucky is truly amazing. Uh, although there was some controversy this week where he suggested that, you know, bringing in players that within one year were getting drafted by the NBA uh, may be as good, if not better, than winning a national championship. So as you can imagine, the Kentucky alumni were not very happy with that. So, uh Coach C, Coach Cal, and a little bit of hot water down in uh, Lexington. Yeah, Coach Calipari kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit about making that statement because the championship always overrides 
individual success because it's a team sport. But, uh, yeah, outstanding job by the Kentucky Wildcats program. Uh, hopefully they can able to try to duplicate that success this year and get a little bit further in the uh, NCAA tournament, make it to the Final Four, which will be here in Houston, Texas. But um, I think that was an outstanding job by the Kentucky Wildcats program slash coaching staff getting at least five guys um, selected in the first round. So outstanding job. Real quick, John, before we talk baseball, let's talk about our, our hometown teams or teams that we cover here. And let me start first with the team I cover, the Houston Rockets, since I'm in Houston, Texas. But the, the Rockets had the 14th pick overall in the draft, well, in the first round, and they selected the junior uh, for, speaking of Kentucky, uh, Patrick Patterson. Uh, in my opinion, John, I thought this was a, a perfect selection selection for the current situation here in Houston, Houston, Texas, for the Rockets. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, it kind of answered the question marks around the Yao Ming uh, return from surgery uh, coming to the season, and also the loss of Cal, I mean, Carl Landry that uh, we lost in the trade to the Sacramento Kings. Second, uh, most importantly, is the experience. I think uh, Patrick Patterson brings that junior experience to the, uh, to the uh, Houston Rockets as well as making an immediate impact for the Houston Rockets organization. John? What's your thoughts on the Celtics' 19th pick uh, shooting guard, Avery Bradley? Well, he's from down your way in Texas, and uh, you know I thought it was an interesting pick uh, based on the playoffs, what have you. The postseason would have seemed like point guard was not where they'd be going with obviously Rajon Rondo uh, in full control of that position. But you know, best available athlete, Avery Bradley, was one of the top two or three high school recruits in America. When he chose to go to Texas uh, over a year ago, he, he also is a one-and-done uh, player. But, you know, sweet shot. Looks like he can leap out of the building. Looks to be this tremendous athlete. Again, just finished up his freshman year, so he's young. So, yeah, a lot of people are, uh, you know, pretty excited, uh, you know. And the Celtics uh, were very pleased to get him. So they think they've got a great athlete. Yeah, you mentioned him being a – Avery Bradley been a phenomenal athlete in high school, and I was surprised that the uh, Celtics selected a shooting guard with the success of their guards in the postseason. But you mentioned Avery been a success in high school, and that kind of segue us from moving from basketball to Major League Baseball to talking about Stephen Strasburg, which is a phenom all across the country. He was a phenom in high school as well as in the uh, AAA baseball. Hint, hint, talked about AAA baseball a little bit uh, in this segment as well as early next segment. We bring on Bill uh, Wallace, but uh, Strasburg uh, phenomenon continued this week in Atlanta. Strasburg threw for 19 pitches in seven innings and only allowed two hits and and a, and a walk, if I can remember. But uh, John, it seemed like Strasburg is the real deal for so. I mean, from what I've been seeing so far. But uh, however, the Nationals' offense did not help him in Atlanta. Uh, what's uh, what's the deal on that? Well, you know, I actually had the pleasure of watching that game uh, live on television, so it was the first game that I had seen Steven Strasburg pitch. I've seen plenty of highlights like we all have, but, uh, boy, I was imp- pretty impressed. Uh, you know, he froze a few of those guys in the batter's box with a variety of pitches, and he just looked electric. Uh, I, you know, and the ball was just consistently in the 95-plus range and uh, the velocity. And basically, uh, you know, a short double play ball, a teammate miss, missed it, and 
as often happens. Then the floodgates opened. Next thing you know, I uh, went from zero zero to four zero Braves, and that was that. But I was very impressed with uh, the few innings that I did see him pitch, and uh, can't wait to watch him again. Yeah, hopefully he's he gets into the All Star game, and I'll check it out. But uh, uh, to kind of piggyback on what you said, he has an outstanding. Uh, game against the Braves, uh, no seven innings. He had outstanding fastball up in the upper 90s, high 100, I mean close to 100. But one thing I loved and I saw throughout that game was his change-up balls. I thought he had outstanding change-up balls for a young man just entering into the major league. So we'll definitely keep our eyes on Strasburg's uh, success early on in the major league debut. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some other issues throughout the major league baseball from this past weekend and this week. And let's talk about these dugout feuds and fights starting with, the, I guess, our good old boy Carlos Sembrano and Derek Lee up there at uh, Chicago um, Chicago Cubs. Uh, for the listeners out there that really haven't been paying attention to baseball that much, but uh, Carlos Sembrano, he has a history of uh, being a high-head pitcher and history of outbursts and tantrums in dugouts, and he got into a verbal confrontation with his teammate, Derek Lee. John, my question is you, uh, the club and the players' union agreed to send Sembrano to uh, restricted list instead of uh, and uh, not active list and for treatment, but what do you think about his tantrums and the situation that took place? Well, as you mentioned, Lee Mont, uh, he's had a few of these uh, outbursts, and this one was really over the line. And you know, I think the Cubs are just—they've just had it with him um, for the—you know—they're paying him serious money. I think around eighteen million, and uh, you know, and the record does not reflect that. And then you. Add on the outbursts that he's had, and uh, yeah, you know, he, he's a problem child. And what I found particularly fascinating was that he went out to dinner that very night with Ozzy Guillen, the manager of the White Sox, who they were playing. <laughs> yeah. When the uh, when the outburst occurred in the dugout, uh, so this guy's with each increasing situation, just seems to be you know more getting more and more out there. Yeah. So, uh, but the Cubs are having a bad season. This kind of stuff happens during bad seasons, especially when expectations are not being met. Uh, yeah. And it's the Cubs. They're, they're tired of losing. And we go from one bad team that's having a bad season to another, and that's the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Oh, Tampa Bay Rays, I'm sorry. And we talk about that situation from this past weekend between B.J. Utton and Evan Longoria. Uh, another frustrating weekend down there in Tampa. Those two got into it in the dugout. Um, and here's the thing, John, once I got a chance to evaluate and assess what took place, it seems to me that this altercation should have been uh, handled by the coaching staff, but, you know, due to the fact that they're losing down in Tampa, uh, B.J. felt like he needed to question uh, Lingora center field effort, um, and as far as loafing to the ball and not putting out a good effort. But uh, give me your thoughts before we go to break. Well, it's uh... – you know, B.J. Upton, again, like Zambrano, he has a history of this type of thing, which in his case is loafing. And he clearly did. Apparently the announcers broadcasting the game live, the Tampa Bay announcers, you know, questioned his effort as it was as it was happening. And, uh, you know, it was a little surprising, you know, to see, uh, you know, this type of thing happen with the Rays. They just don't have that history in general. Uh Longoria, of course, one of the best young players in the game, um, you know, for him to step up and, you know, basically assume a leadership role of sorts or be the one to finally speak up to Upton, you know, was, was 
pretty interesting and may in fact, uh, you know, signal just something a little different happening with the Rays, which means that they've had a taste of winning now. This is about their third year in a row with, you know, with being a contender. And Joe Madden, uh, you know, seemed to be okay with Longoria stepping in, and he, and he, of course, is an excellent manager. So, yeah, well, but the proof was in the pudding, and the Red Sox beat him up last night, and so far it's nothing, nothing uh, at Fenway Park. Yeah, tonight. well, John, that's the music, and when we come back, we'll invite Bill Wallace, the vice president and VP of the Pawtucket Red Sox. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave my Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely, creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoors subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right from high school to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lee Mont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John, I stated earlier to the listeners out there, well, let me step back. This is the segment where we invite active and former players of the show, but we have a special guest today, and as I stated earlier in the show, in the first segment, John, you're out on a remote location at the Pawtucket Red Sox AAA baseball game, and we have a special guest today. Uh, I want you to introduce your guest uh, to the listeners uh, outside the huddle, John. Thank you, Lemont. Uh, we're here tonight with Bill Wanless, the Vice President of Public Relations for the Pawtucket Red Sox. And Bill has kindly set me up in a 
in the press box here at McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And, Bill, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, John and Lemont. We appreciate it very much, and great to have you here. Thanks for being here, Bob. I mean, Bill. Well, Bill, it's a, as, as you and I both know, it's an absolutely spectacular, beautiful night uh, here in Pawtucket. Uh, the sun is setting over uh, over McCoy Stadium. And uh, I just had a few questions for you, Bill. I guess, the, you know, the, the most timely news, of course, is that the uh, kindly the, the walking wounded of the Red Sox limped out of uh, San Francisco this past weekend with three injuries in three days. So I was curious how, how that situation filters down to the Pawtucket Red Sox you know, uh, 40 minutes down the road from Fenway Park, and, of course, the main feeder team right up to the, to the Red Sox. Well, that's right, John, and that's what we're here for. We understand that. Uh, we're here to help the, uh, the big club. Uh, we wish we could have done a little more on the catching situation, but our uh, two catchers who we expected to play every day for us this year, uh, Dusty Brown and Mark Wagner, are both on our disabled list. Unfortunately, uh, Dusty with a, a, a thumb injury, and Mark uh, Wagner's been out for uh, almost a month and a half with a hamate bone injury. So those were our top two catchers, and they uh, weren't available uh, when Victor Martinez went down. But we did send Gustavo Molina up to Boston uh, just the other day. And, uh, you know, we've been happy with to see some of the guys. Uh, obviously, Darnell McDonald, Daniel Nava, the outfielders have really uh, stepped in and done a great job. And uh, whenever they call on a pitcher we seem to uh do a pretty good job when they go up uh as well so uh you know so so far we've been able to uh plug the gap a little bit for him and keep him afloat well, terrific bill and now, now it's hard to believe there's a catcher named molina who's not one of the molina brothers <laughs> well maybe he has a brother somewhere but he's not uh, not one of the three catchers uh, amazing though imagine that three catchers from the same family in the major leagues uh the odds of that, uh, we may never see that again. Uh, but uh, but this is, guy is not, but he uh, he's a decent defensive backstop, and uh, if he does get called upon, I'm sure he'll do a good job. Well, this is Mike uh, Williams. I'm coming to you live here in Houston, where we love baseball and football down here in Texas. So uh, <laughs> let me reset for the listeners. We're talking with Bill Wallace, the vice president of public relations for the Pawtucket Red Sox in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And my question to you, Bill, tonight, and you know, I had a chance to do some homework and do some research on the Pawtucket uh, Red Sox. So when I, and I saw that, what stood out to me, some of the things stood out to me in 2005, 2005 the Pawtucket uh, Red Sox set a franchise record for over 600,000 tickets sold. And tonight, I'm, I'm assuming from what I read and what I heard from John earlier today, is phone finger night. So uh, how much does the game of baseball mean to you all in the New England area? Uh, that's a great question, Lemon. We we hear that from everybody that comes in. Uh, tonight we're playing the Yankees. Uh, Grant Wilkesbury Yankees and all is right in the world. Pawtucket leads five to nothing in the uh, top of the fifth. So, uh, but this area, as you know, uh, although we're gaining on you in, in football a little bit uh, ever since our experience at the Houston uh, Super Bowl a few years ago, uh, but uh, uh, baseball is is still, you know, in the opinion of many, the uh, the real passion uh, here in New England, and we're right in the smack in the middle of Red Sox Nation, as John said, only about forty miles or so from Fenway Park, and uh, the people around here really care about their baseball, and we hear it, as I said, from all the other teams that come in, you know, they say, geez, you go to play in another ballpark around the league, and the fans, you know, they come out, they support their team, but around here, you know, it's really about the baseball and, uh, and, and you know, quality baseball, seeing the, the next prospects, seeing a great, you know, AAA game, and, uh, and that's what we hope to give them uh, you know, much of the year. We don't have the best record, obviously, that uh, uh, we're 35 and 43 coming into uh, 
tonight, but as I said, you know, several guys have contributed to Boston, and we've got some guys that people definitely want to see that uh, are going to get to Boston soon, and, uh, and bottom line, that's the, uh, you know, really the secret to what goes on here. Well, outstanding, Ben. Well, you know, and, and Bill, uh, you know, earlier you had mentioned Daniel Nava, and uh, for the fans out there listening, he had what could arguably be perhaps the most exciting debut in the history of Major League Baseball. And by that, I mean he became one of only four players, I believe, to hit a grand slam in the first pitch he ever saw in the Major Leagues, which was just a few Saturdays ago. It was the uh, national game of the week on the network uh, at 4 p.m. from Fenway Park and against the Philadelphia Phillies and, you know, in a big situation, gave the Red Sox the lead and... What are your thoughts, Bill, on, uh, on Daniel Nava? Yeah, and it's funny, John, you mentioned that because we were playing a 6 o'clock home game here, so the uh, entire team was in the clubhouse watching that at bat, and when he hit that grand slam, uh, they all celebrated like he had done it you know, for their own team when he was here. Uh, so it was pretty neat to see them all watching it and then have him do that. And uh, what a story for every individual out there, youngsters, whatever. I mean, Daniel Nava was cut from his high school baseball team. Uh, he barely played. Uh, he finally made it as a junior and senior, but barely played. Uh, went to college as a walk-on. Didn't make the team. They said, you know what, we like your attitude. You can hang around, do a little work on the field, uh, you know, help us out uh, when we travel, maybe uh, take care of the uniforms. He did that for a year or two, transferred to a uh, Division three school, uh, played pretty well there, went back to the same school that didn't want him as a player, had a great senior year, undrafted, uh, went to the independent league, got cut his first year trying out for an independent team, made it to the second year, was the MVP of the league. The Red Sox kind of caught the, they caught the Red Sox eye. They signed him. He's hit 300 everywhere he's been in you know three or four years in the minor leagues now, and, uh, and boom, he's up there doing a, a great job. So, I mean, if that isn't you know, just a, an unbelievable story for everyone that they can relate to in all walks of life, uh, you know, so we're rooting for him. He's a great kid, and uh, we're so happy he's done, uh, done the job he's done. Yeah, Bill, you you mentioned that you guys' purpose at the AAA level is to kind of set the table and have guys on deck ready for the major league or when they call uh, for guys to come up. And it has to start somewhere. And from what I read and what I've been told by John, you guys have a phenomenal front office. And uh, so my next question to you is, let me reset for the listeners. We're talking with Bill Wallace, the vice president of public relations for the Pawtucket Red Sox. So my question to you, John, I mean, Bill, is what has retired businessman slash owner uh, ben Munder meant to the Pawtucket Red Sox and the Pawtucket Rhode Island community. Uh, well, Lemont, uh, appreciate you bringing him up. Uh, he's uh, 86 years old. He's our owner, and the uh, the greatest thing he did is he saved baseball in Pawtucket. The franchise had become bankrupt in the uh, in the early 70s. Uh, they were pretty much ready to, you know, just move out of here. Uh, he came in, uh, you know, a uh, former business owner, uh, and uh, and basically. You know, took on all the, the liabilities and the debts and said, we're going to work to turn this thing around. And the greatest thing he's done is he's kept the ticket prices affordable. He's only raised ticket prices a handful of times in, uh, in over 30 years as an owner. Uh, you know, our tickets uh, are still as low as $5. You can still come wow. in here and see a game for as low as $5. And uh, that's really been, you know, the motto, you know, just giving people a good experience and a clean, you know, facility, uh, good baseball, and keeping the prices affordable for the families. I mean, we go after the families. It's it's great to see the kids come for their first professional game here, you know, wearing their Paw Sox and Red Sox shirts and caps, and uh, we kind of trying to make them fans for life starting here. And uh, and it's been a, you know, wonderful, great fan support, as John knows. 
you know, in this area, and uh, we've kind of ridden that wave, and, uh, and it's become, uh, you know, a real, you know, neat thing to see. Yeah, that means a lot nowadays with this economy, especially on the north side, northeast side of the country, where everything is much lot, a lot more expensive than it is here in Texas. So that means a lot for owner to keep the ticket price low and make it affordable for the fans. That's an outstanding job by owner. And free parking, Lamont, too. So uh, you don't see oh, yeah. that too often. You can get free parking. Uh, so he's proud of that, and uh, and that's uh, a nice thing to give back. Yeah. yeah John, I don't know if you have yeah. another question, but I, I yeah. I it, 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 well, actually, I do. I mean, it's a spectacular venue here at the uh, at McCoy, and you know the uh, large crowd here tonight. And you know, I've been down here a number of times, and it's just a it's a great place to take in a ball game. And also standing here looking at a pennant right here in the press box, and something I remember well, which is uh, the longest game in baseball history, 33 innings, was played right here in McCoy. And uh, it was April 18th and 19th in 1981. And then uh, it took another two months till the Rochester Red Wings came in for the game to finally be completed. And uh, Marty Barrett, uh, formerly of the Red Sox, scored the winning run. So, Bill, what are some other memorable moments that you you remember here in uh, in McCoy? Well, that's the one, John. I mean, that's, that's our uh, Hall of Fame moment, what we're famous for uh, you know, they played 32 innings until the game started at 7.30 on a Saturday night. They played 32 innings until after 4 a.m. before they finally said, uh, what are we doing? You know, uh, the sun's coming back up here now. Uh, time to call it a night. Uh, they suspended it, as you said. Uh, you know, Rochester, instead of playing it the next day, they said, why don't we, why don't we give everyone a break, just play the regular nine-inning game, uh, and we'll resume it when they come back to town uh, in June. And that was the year in 1981 where the Major League Baseball uh, was on strike at that point in 81, so all the attention of the baseball world was focused here, and wouldn't you know it, it took only one inning in, uh, on June 21st uh, to, uh, June 23rd to, uh, to end it uh, in the 33rd inning. We won the ball game 3-2. Uh, to two. Uh, Great trivia question. The uh, two third basemen in that game, they played the entire game, uh, both of them now in the Hall of Fame, uh, Wade Boggs for Pawtucket, Cal Ripken Jr. for Rochester. So, uh, uh, back in wow. 81, those were the two. Ripken, I believe, was two for 14 uh, in the game. Uh, Boggs, I think, had four hits, uh, and his average might have gone down. I think he was four for 14, maybe. So, uh, That's great. Yeah, That's great. so just a you know, wonderful you know, to still have it all these years. Uh, and, uh, you know, 19 people were left uh, when they finally called the game at 4.08 in the morning, and, uh, and Ben, our owner, said, if you guys are that much fans, you have lifetime passes. Any of you? Gave them all lifetime passes. I mean, uh, some of them, unfortunately, aren't with us anymore. Uh, but those who are uh, still get to come to McCoy anytime they want uh, on us for, for sticking it out for uh, 33 innings and until after 4 a.m. in the morning. Well, Bill, that sounds amazing. But I'm, I was just going to sign them off because I know we have less than a minute for our next uh, break. But, Bill, I want to thank you for taking time out. Your, your busy schedule tonight, I know it's tough being a VP of any organization, especially in the public relations side of it. And, uh, Hope you guys are able to get it turned around quickly up there and uh, keep getting these guys prepared, ready for the major league, because I'm definitely watching down here in Houston. Well, Lamont, thank you. Uh, quality show. You guys do a great job, and uh, we appreciate the opportunity. And, John, thank you, and we'll uh, see you soon, John. Yeah, very soon. Thank you, Bill. We appreciate oh. your coming on. Bye-bye, guys. Hey, John, Bye-bye. after this break, we'll come back and talk, go around the NFL next on Outside the Huddle with Lamont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. 
is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for a top show about horse racing and handicapping? Looking to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies website where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for listening. Winning Ponies with Ed Meyer is live Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's my favorite segment where we go around the NFL and talk about different storylines and headlines from this week. Uh, but when we start off our show here lately, it seems like the last couple of weeks we've been getting some sad news. A lot of athletes have been passed away. And unfortunately today some late news came out about Randall Cunningham, the former All-Pro quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, news came out about his son. Uh, we want to uh, send our prayers and thoughts out to the Randall Cunningham family, friends, and fans. Uh, Randall Cunningham lost his two-year-old son uh, from what is reported an accidental drowning at his house uh, uh, in his bathtub. So we want to definitely send our prayer and thoughts out. But, uh, John, you want to say something real quick about that? Remember Randall Cunningham well, and there's just uh, no worse fate can befall a parent than the death of a child. So my heart, goes, heart thoughts and prayers go out to him. He was uh, one of a kind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Randall Cunningham, from what I read and from the people I talked to, Ray Ellis, the sports director of Voice America, they state that this guy is a very strong man in faith, so uh, 
no doubt about it. I know that uh, his faith and his belief will pull him through these tough times. But, again, we want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Randall Cunningham's family, friends, and fans as he mourns the death of his two-year-old son that died accidentally at his house in the bathtub. John, let's move forward and talk about some other quarterbacks in the NFL. And our boy, good old buddy there, future Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre surfaced last week. Uh, from not making this, and he didn't sound like a retired quarterback or 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 have a mindset of a retired quarterback because he stated uh, that a decision has not been made, which we all know about. But he said he would love to beat the Saints in the season opener on September 9th. Uh, so, John, my question is, what what can we take from these Brett Favre statements? Well, there's no doubt in my mind that he's coming back. Uh, you know, saying he can play at a high level and talking about the opener against the Saints are uh, two very strong signs that he intends to come back. But more importantly, is uh, you know, it appears his health has you know stayed with him, and uh, I'm very glad we're not having to get this from ESPN standing on his front lawn. I mean, we're we're getting some Brett Favre news, but nothing <laughs> on the degree it's been the past few years. Uh, you know, at this point, I have to hand it to the guy, you know. I mean, he did have a great season. He looks like he is indeed coming back. And, uh, you know, he, he's a, mar- you know, a scientific marvel at this point because, uh, you know, now he's starting to get some operations in the offseason. He's bouncing right back at, at his age. Uh, it's incredible. I'm starting to gain a new admiration and respect for him. Yeah, he definitely is keeping a low profile this offseason prior to other seasons. But, uh uh, I definitely think he'll be back. He just want to see it was the timeline on the surgery rehab. I think it's on schedule from what's been reporting. Uh, he's on the bicycle and, and he's been active, so he definitely will be back. And it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting for the NFL. It's always exciting for Fox Network uh, because they get good ratings because they cover the majority of the NFC North game. So it's a good win-win situation for everybody. But uh, since we're on this momentum of talking about comebacks let's move forward and talk about another quarterback that made a comeback last year and that's michael vick michael vick made a comeback after serving 19 months of, in prison for the dog fighting uh, uh ring or or involvement that he had and uh the philadelphia eagles was able to pick him up uh, once he was reinstated by the commissioner but uh, unfortunately vick seems like he found himself in a little bit more hot water uh this all season with the law Vic, uh, from what's reported, Vic had attended a 30-year-old birthday party in Virginia, my hometown, uh, Virginia Beach, and uh, where someone was shot and wounded outside a nightclub about 2 a.m. John knew as as this story is uh, steady, un, uh, unraveling or developing each day, it seems like more and more things are coming out. But uh, as last I checked, Vic was not a suspect, and he interviewed with the police about what took place, stating that he left prior to the shooting, but uh, I want to know, uh, you know, if you, how, if you was Andy Reid or someone in the Eagles organization, how would you feel right now about the fact that you traded McNabb and you kept Vic to enhance the team? But now it seems like he's about to get himself in some more trouble in the all season. Well, you know, it's it. You, you, you hope that for his sake, it's a matter of wrong place, wrong time. Um, clearly the person, the suspect in the shooting or someone who, who was involved in the shooting was someone that he was for one of his old, uh, dog ring associates that was, Vic is forbidden to be in contact with. So it's cutting it about as close as you can. I guess now there's some dispute and it's a matter of did he leave the party, Vic leave the party three minutes earlier than he said he did or whatever. So 
You know, it's a real fine line. I mean, I, I, I think if I'm the Eagles, I'm, number one, nervous as to whether or not Commissioner Goodell is going to suspend him. And number two, you know, is he is there an issue? Is he starting to fall back, you know, with some of his old friends? It would seem just beyond comprehension that he could allow that to happen when, you, you know, after uh, all that's gone on. But uh, so, yeah, I would think that the Eagles are a little nervous uh, without Donovan McNabb uh, no longer a member of, of their roster. Yeah, I really think they're, they're sitting back hoping this thing doesn't play out for the worst. But uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that. And, and my first thing I thought about was, like, where's where's mentor Tony Dungy when you need him? So There you go. <laughs> then, no, that's a great thought. Yeah, yeah. hopefully uh, Vic, Vic is, this is you know, water on the bridge and it, it blow, blow, back, blow past and we're able to move forward and expect Vic to kind of take over that starting position, uh, quarterback position this year for the Eagles. But uh, let's stay in that division. Let's go to one of their rivals uh, up in the north side where you're from. Well, not basically below you a little bit there, the New York Giants. And uh, they had some, some tragedy as well this weekend. Their rookie, third round, uh, 2010 third-round draft pick, Chad Jones, was in a serious car accident this past weekend. Uh, from what was reported, Jones lost control of his SUV and needed intensive surgery and real intensive surgery to repair his left leg. Uh, John, I'm glad Chad Jones is still here on this earth, but um, where does the Giants organization go from here while their rookie uh, 60 starts his recovery process? Well, it looks like, uh, you know, they can't expect much out of him this year. He is, again, lucky to be alive. It sounded like a horrific accident. They moved him from the hospital in New Orleans where he was at up to New York uh, to, you know, better supervise the medical treatment close to home. Um, you know, he, he, it sounds clearly he's out of the woods, but, you know, I think the football career in the short term, uh, you, you know, is, is not going to be happening, and I'm sure the Giants recognize that. Uh, you know, and the Giants and the NFL have been very supportive. I mean, I, I saw where the commissioner, you know, offered lodging and whatnot to his uh, family members who were brought up came up to the you know the hospital in New York when he was transferred uh, just a few days ago and uh, you know so he's getting all the support he could possibly have but for the Giants this this has to be a blow no question it definitely is a blow that the fact that the Redskins are reloading we mentioned Donald McNabb and they bring in other weapons offensive weapons and they need that safety help deep um, so I think and also with the Eagles looking to uh, duplicate that success there in, in Philly. So it definitely will hurt them from an organization standpoint. I think from a personal standpoint, Chad Jones, I think being a former two-star athlete uh, coming out of LSU, being able to play baseball and football, I think in due time he's able to recover and get back to the plan days, hopefully get back to his plan days. So we'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on Chad Jones and wish him much luck this year as he starts the recovering process from that uh, serious car accident. But, uh, and that and that sets the tone. That sets the tone for this this all season. Normally, uh, this time of year, the NFL has their annual four day rookie symposium uh, out in California, and it started this week. All 252 draft picks are required to attend outside of Chad Jones due to his serious car accident. But uh, John, here's my thing about the symposium. I'm a huge fan of the symposium. I really endorse it. I really think. They do an excellent job. When I say they, the NFL does an excellent job. I love the way, especially I love the way they discuss certain topics like, uh, you know, personal finance is always a big one. But they even break down the, the issues as far as buying game tickets for, 
for fans and size family members for the players. That also can become a burden for some of these players, rookies. Yes, uh, well, you know, I've had the good fortune to be invited by the NFL to attend a couple of their similar type events, and by that I mean broadcast boot camp, as well as courses that they offered at uh, Harvard Business School and Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania. And the NFL just does it first class. They bring in the best of the best to discuss whatever topic it may be for the symposium, the rookie symposium in California this past week. It's, you know, bringing out uh, current players, former players, you know, people who the, the rookies can relate to. And, you know, uh, to really learn what it's like to, to have, you know, the, the privilege, if you will, of playing in the NFL. And that's certainly how the NFL views it these days. And uh, so, you, you know, again, this is a real strength of the National Football League, which is just the education of its players, uh, you know, in all areas of life. They leave no stone unturned. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, they also bring in on the last day, if I can remember, they bring in Chris Carter, the former pro bowler and future Hall of Famer wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings, and he does a, a great testimony on the last day. From what I heard, he does come there every year and talk to the rookies, so he does a great job. He's kind of connected with the U and this new generation of, of ball players. But, uh, yeah, outstanding job with the league, and we know from attending Super Bowl every year that uh, the league always rolls out the red carpet. I don't care if it's a happy hour or if it's a symposium, they always roll out the red carpet. So outstanding job by the NFL coaching up these rookies. But, uh, John, we have probably less than two minutes here before our next break. So uh, let's go ahead and jump to the AFC real quick, real quick AFC, and let's talk about your native state, Pennsylvania, and, and their beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers got some additional bad news from this off season. Uh added on to the Ben Roethlisberger situation. Um Offensive tackle Willie Cologne uh, suffered a, a torn Achilles tendon this week from a workout. Uh, John, how will this injury affect the Steelers this season? Well, this hurts. This hurts in a big way. Uh, you know, in addition to being simply a bad omen, within in a year already filled with bad news before it even starts. Uh, you know, Willie Cologne is one of their, uh, you know, anchor offensive linemen, and you know they. They've already gone out, talked to Flozell Adams of the Cow- uh, formerly of the Cowboys, which tells you that you know they're they have concerns about the offensive linemen they have coming back to camp. Of course, uh, within a, in a month or so, and you know uh, Willie Cologne was one of the people. By the way, the only other player, the only player with Roethlisberger that night in Milledgeville, Georgia. Yeah. So. Uh, well, you know, again, uh, it, it hurts, and it's going to create problems. Yeah, well well said, John. It's time to take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little World Cup as well as wrap up the show next on Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. 
to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports are you a real sports fan get ready to talk football and anything else sports with kwame lassiter formerly with the arizona cardinals san diego chargers and st louis rams kwame's got the experience so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. It's football, pop culture, and everything in between. Get ready for the game plan with Anthony Heron, a.k.a. Big Ant. Anthony has a background in college and professional football and brings the player, coach, and broadcaster perspective to this weekly roundup of the top sports news and events. Big Ant wants to hear from you, too. Tune in to the game plan with Anthony Heron every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific time on the voice america sports channel it's game time your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're outside the huddle with lemont williams and co-host john inglesby Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby on the Voice America Sports Network. John, it's the last segment before we wrap up the show, so let's go ahead and talk briefly about the World Cup uh, from this past weekend. Um, United States, man, riding high off that momentum after we won that one game, uh, first victory against, I forgot the team we played last Wednesday, and everybody was riding high. We talked about it last week on the show. That set up the matchup for this past Saturday against Ghana, where United States uh, you know, lost 2-1. to one. An extra time, and the United States soccer team was eliminated from the World Cup again last Saturday. John, after the USA got their first victory last Wednesday, I thought 
we could either. I mean, I don't know what, what I was thinking, but I thought we would be able to make it to the final eight. But uh, we ran out of momentum, seems like, last week, and it seems like uh, Ghana had our number uh, last Saturday. But uh, give me your thoughts on that on that uh, loss against Ghana. Well, you know, Ghana earned the victory as opposed to the United States losing it. And, you know, it was just a terrible disappointment. Uh, you know, it looked like the United States had found its way into the right bracket to advance further. And then, you know, they had, had all those, uh, you know, come from behind victories and or ties to win the group that put him in that bracket. So it looked like, you know, all the dominoes were falling in, uh, in our favor and, you know, it's just a shame. It, it seemed like, uh, and it's happened in the past where, you know, the United States soccer team and perhaps the interest in soccer in America itself gets right to the precipice, you know, right to the very, very doorstep, and then it just doesn't happen. You know, had they beaten Ghana, you know, this might have been the long, long, long-awaited breakthrough of, of soccer in America or certainly uh, the breakthrough of the America, American soccer team at minimum. So, you know, it's just disappointing. It, it just, it, it felt like it was about to happen and it just fell short. Very unfortunate. Yeah, it, it's like we was right on the edge. Right on the edge. Right on the edge for a breakthrough of, of, of some success here in the States for our soccer. And, and uh, now we have to wait another four years before we find out what the United States can do in the World Cup. But, you know, tip your head off to Ghana. Like you said, it was Ghana earned that victory uh, uh, instead of us losing that. So Ghana did an outstanding job by advancing to the, I want to say the final eight, if they're still in it. Um, but uh, they did an outstanding job and, and great fight from the United States. A lot of people didn't count them to make it that far, uh, not even to get their first victory. Hey, that was our first victory ever in the World Cup uh, play. So that was an outstanding job by those guys. And nice way to fight for the United States. Despite that we had a few adversities as far as goals uh, in a couple of matches, but we was able to bounce back and, and get one victory, so outstanding job. But uh, let's move forward. Uh, I know we got a couple of minutes here before we close out the show, so I want to kind of talk about some award shows here. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned to you, but uh, I got some good news to let the listeners know as well as you, John, is that I received that confirmation email this weekend about the ESPY Awards. Uh, a lot of credentials for SP Awards, and I got it. And uh, it was award. I got the uh, email this week, so I want to let the listeners know that uh, I will be traveling to L.A. next month to uh, attend the SP Awards. So I, I think that's kind of exciting. Uh, so go ahead, John. I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, that's really exciting, Lemont. Uh, I have been to two SP Awards. I was there in uh, 2005 and 2006, and it is truly one of the great events that uh, that you could possibly ever want to attend, and uh, so yeah, I I think you'll have a great time. I promise you, you're going to really enjoy it. It's a truly spectacular event. Yeah, and I heard they really take care of the media uh, people there, so I'm looking forward uh, to being able to get out there in LA and relax. But uh, since we're on the topic of the ESPY Awards, let's go. Let's talk about the nominees uh, before we wrap up the show and some of the topics we have. Oh, man, we have a lot that we can go over, but there's a few I want to talk about, and I'm going to just, due to the fact you're at the baseball game, I'm going to go ahead and read it out to you, John, and you and you let me know what you think. Uh, one of the categories is best male athlete. We have Drew Brees from the NBA, NFL, I'm sorry. We have Kobe Bryant, NBA, LeBron James, Jimmy Johnson from, uh, from NASCAR, 
and Albert Pujols, who you think will probably end up winning that Best Male Athlete Award? I believe it'll be Drew Brees. I think what he did was, uh, you know, uh, the highlight of the year. You think Drew Brees will win it due to the fact that he took the New Orleans Saints to the uh, first championship? Well, not the, well, well. I guess yeah, their first uh, Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, their first. Yeah, I, I just think he. Uh, what I liked most about him was, you know, in addition to his talent, he showed tremendous leadership skills. I mean, he just he put that team on his back in so many ways, and uh, so I think he uh, might win that award. Yeah, I mean, man, due to the fact that the Gulf Coast is always hit with some tragic uh, uh, real world situations, now we have the the gas leak. I mean, the oil leak with the BP situation. So he might get the slight favor with votes because a lot of the fan votes for that get that award. But if I had to just go off uh, performance, I would probably have to give it to Kobe. The fact that he's able to get his fifth ring, uh, two back-to-back championships. Uh, it was a tough series, tough blue-collar series between the Boston Celtics. Took it to Game 7. Despite he didn't have a great performance in Game 7, he was consistent throughout the full season, and he carried that Laker team on his back. So um, I, I understand with Drew Brees, with the New Orleans Saints, uh, in their current situation here in the Gulf Coast, but I, I think Kobe will probably slightly win that. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, we have uh, another category here. We have let's, let's, let's do the, be- uh, the breakout, uh, break breakthrough athlete of the year. Brittany Griner from Baylor, rookie or freshman. Chris Johnson, uh, Tennessee Titans. Steven Strasburg, we talked about him early, Washington Nationals. And John Wall, Kentucky basketball. Who do you think will win the best break breakthrough uh, athlete? Well, you know, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, they, they were all really pretty impressive uh I'd have to say John Wall. I mean, you know, what he did, what I saw him do on the court was remarkable this year. Uh, you know, he, he became a appointment television at certain points, especially in the NCAA with some of his shots and the postseason in general. Uh, truly one of the most exciting young players in a long, long time. Strasburg, I think it's he's just been up too short of a time. But, you, you know, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, he has the talent. Um, but I do think John Wall is probably going to win that award. It's very rare that I go, uh, I'll be a homer and I go with the home team. Uh, I try to play, be objective, and go be even Steven. But I think Brittany Gardner will win that award. But, John, sounds like we hear the music there playing, so it's time for us to wrap up the show. Let me go ahead and thank all the listeners out there for listening outside the huddle. We'll leave my Williamson co-host, John Inglesby. Have a blessed week, and remember, sports plus business equals wealth. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams and co-host John Inglesby. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 